Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo Decoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, Endo Aligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. It's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, the big story, legal weed. How much money are we making and where is the money going? We're also going to be joined by Celeste Rodriguez from Acre 41 to talk about Arizona social equity. So let's just get right into it. Hey, Miggy. Yo. Hey, Tom. What up? Oh, I'm doing wonderfully. I don't know. I just I just feel better when it's like 80 degrees outside and sunny. Isn't the summer nice? I'll be feeling that next week in Cabo. Well, you know, it's kickoff to the summer because uh, this is <laughs> Memorial Day weekend. And thank you for your service. Uh, Navy veteran, right? Yep. Yep. Ten years. It's all good. I mean, it's I never got shot at, dude. I was just deployed. <laughs> yeah, know? but like, were you ever in a submarine or anything? No, God forbid, no. That's oh, special type people right there, brother. But that, uh, that just that just terrifies me. It's like, wait a second. So you want me to be in a cramped space with recirculated air? How far underwater? And not just no, that. No, no, they have yeah. to share beds too, man. So it's not really a good living condition. I they used to smoke on those. How did they yeah. used to have like diesel-powered submarines? Well, I think they the air gets circulated somewhere, right? There's got to be a place where they they export it out, but. I mean, whatever, man. It's but you know what the thing is though. When I was in the Navy, though, there's a thing is they they say you fight for freedom, but you have no rights, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that's what we're we're, we're here to, here for. We're here to talk about the uh, the legal marijuana states and how they generated nearly eight billion in tax revenue since recreational sales launch. Report finds from marijuana moment. That's money, a lot of money. Yeah, eight billion in tax revenue. Now, is that according to the state tax revenue or is that the IRS? Because the IRS gets to double dip with the IRC 280E uh, tax collection that they have. And so like the IRS is 20 times more likely to audit your cannabis company than just your regular business because the man hour is about 3x. And so if the IRS spends one hour auditing a cannabis company, it makes about 1300 bucks. It spends one hour auditing uh, a regular business. It makes about 400 but what's the metric out there? So like, 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 yeah, you say, yeah, uh, because I know the the one eighty e or ten eighty was it? Uh, it is two eight e two eighty two hundred eighty with the letter e after that, it. That, that excludes all cannabis businesses. So how do you know which ones are the cannabis business? Because you have so many people, like you said, layered hospital type, yeah, structure, you know, background type right. shit. Is that metric really out there for these people to like? There's, I mean, audits. there's audits on it. And so like that's the, the management audit that happens a lot. I think your real estate uh, management companies are right. And that also might be why you see a lot of sale and leasebacks with the real estate, because then it's it's making sure that they can insulate that audit risk even more while still having cash flows. This is what everybody tunes in for the excitement that is cannabis legalization news. Don't forget to smash those likes and subscribe for more of this stuff. For example, the analysts estimate and you know, examine the tax structure of 
revenue streams of all 18 states that have legalized recreational cannabis. Those sales have not launched in seven of those states. That's terrible. Overall, Hmm. it shows that establishing regulated marijuana markets gives states a steady and generally growing source of revenue that can support various programs and services. True fact, in Illinois' second year of its cannabis program, with still no new players, no new supply, and it's only in the second year, we are already printing more money from cannabis taxes than from alcohol taxes. Yeah, this is from like no shit news. It's like, hey, you feel better when it's sunny outside. <laughs> I'm just saying, you have legal wow. weed, people will buy it. <laughs> you know, estimated state tax revenue from adult use cannabis. That is, uh, is that in the millions? That's in the millions. And so that's Colorado. Current tax rate there is 15%. And they, they generated over 1.5 billion dollars that goes to the states to provide services you know that the people need right well, well last year alone the adult use states collected 2.7 billion in taxes from cannabis sales so just last year by itself as more markets come online and others mature that's expected to continue and this is just the legal stuff right we're, we're not even talking about the black market stuff or the, yeah, uh, the illicit market 60 billion dollars now if your policy goal is to take that 60 billion dollars make sure that the product is pure and taxed uh you know the the licensing structure wouldn't look like the licensing structure looks right now but that's what the 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 untaxed market is it's approximately 60 billion so you're talking about 100 billion dollars of cannabis transactions going down but in those basis yeah oh yeah but in those transactions who compiler he makes a point though it's uh it's hard to do an audit when the traces uh you cash only like right. we're talking billion dollars in taxes most of it's 99.9 for cash is gone and like you know the united states run off bitcoin I'm just, just trying to figure out, you know, someone's figured out a way to manipulate their product, their weight, their whatever it is they got going on to make that tax free shit. Because mm-hmm. the one thing traditional market people don't like is the recreational market, because it'll give you this. I don't want to pay taxes I'm on stuff that I grew. I don't want to be only that like the yeah. traditional market. They know it's illegal. They did it anyway. Oh, yeah. You 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 put your your own life at risk. Uh, essentially, you know, this is the tax I'm giving you. This is why I mark it up 25 percent. I'm not marking it up 25 percent yeah. because I want to give 10 of it to the government. No, but you should. I mean, Colorado has four hundred and five, four hundred four point five million in marijuana tax revenue that's supporting the state's public school system. Mm. Illinois public school system could use another four hundred million dollars. Heck, you know, hey, Mississippi's could use it all. You know, all these southern states that are the lowest ranking in the, the educational system, they all could use it. Yep. In California, $100 million in cannabis tax dollars have gone to community groups to help people most impacted by uh, uh, the punishment of the, the drug war. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Oregon uh, invests 40% of its cannabis revenue to public education as well as 25% to fund mental health and treatment programs. This is where it should be going. Well, this is one of the aspects. The the tax money is one of the aspects of the social equity that they can actually do where they can control it, where they aren't gamifying the system and turning it into like uh, some corporate espionage caper where you're trying to get get the precious, precious license from the regulators if they ever make a decision. Right. Well, transparency would be nice, too. Transparency would be nice. I mean, it's uh, it's just like last year, Illinois was urged to apply adult use tax revenue to social equity. And Arizona is making headlines for its lackluster draft of social equity requirements. You remember that that feed that we did last week where we, we were reviewing the social equity requirements in Arizona? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the term social equity actually doesn't appear in it. Yeah. They try to define what, what was it? You just have to be a, a, a someone who's a busted. You don't have to be busted. Right. You can have like your brother, sister. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Your brother could be busted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like how's that fair? I don't know. But, you know, it's today we're going to be joined by one of the Arizona hopefuls who also has some applications in, in Illinois. Celeste Rodriguez from Acre Acre 41. Correct. This. Acre 41. Thanks for joining us, Celeste. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about Acre 41? We are uh, all women, comprised of four women here in Arizona um, that all have medical marijuana past industry experience. And we are looking to get one of the social equity applicants. Two of us have actually lived in disproportionately uh, impacted areas. I actually have caught a case years ago when I was 19 or 20 in regards to marijuana. So I actually qualify as a social equity applicant. So our goals are to 
obtain one of the social equity applicants applicant applications that they have out and not let them go to one of the MSOs who are the multi-state operators. That's great. Now, like uh, there are only going to be 26 licenses for social equity applicants in the whole state of like 7 million people. What's up with that? I guess that's Arizona at its finest. And then I guess the second thing would be a social equity program. I mean, I don't see anybody that's had a social equity program that's nailed it yet or not even took the majority to make the majority happy. So good luck with social equity when it comes to that. It's like all the rules get thrown out the door. It was the same thing that I said, looking at the whole program, nothing says nothing about social equity program in there, says nothing about disproportionately affected neighborhoods. So it's just like, is this a social equity program? Are we looking for another straw man to make a multi-state operator rich again? Yep, and that's one of the things where, you know, if we were in Oklahoma, they have a rule that says, well, have you been here for two years? Oh, you have. Here's your cannabis license. Uh, and so that sounds pretty equitable to me if anybody can get one. Uh, however, when you have this control, I mean, like 26 licenses for 7 million people. So like 7 million. We don't have 26 coffee shops for 7 million people. That makes no sense. You're going to have twice. And are they are they vertically integrated licenses as well? I mean, like, that's something on the social equity for Arizona that I'm unfamiliar with, with their rules. Do you have to go, because Arizona's a a vertically integrated state, right? Correct. So is the social equity license vertically integrated? They actually did make it. So talks about they weren't going to make it vertically integrated to top four. So that right there was asking for lawsuits off jump if you weren't making it where it was a vertically integrated program. So, yeah. Arizona still has a lot of work to do. We still have more drafts coming. So it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it it is because like, again, they just had a license lottery round for 13 of the remaining first whatever they call them licenses, like the the most underserved areas of the state where there were not sufficient amounts of dispensaries. There was 13 of them up for grabs. They had over 300 applicants. And not just that, it was what, 20K deposit for a non refundable chance? Like, uh, a $5,000 lottery ticket, but that's easy because you also had $500,000 in a bank account. Yeah, I mean, that's right. You're not done yet. You're not in the Millionaire's Club yet. Then you need every effing piece of real estate for the grow, the process, the retail. Mm. Okay. You get all the, if you get those four easy, simple things and a check for 25 grand to get in the lottery, you're in. Yeah, that would be our rural locations that they were talking about. And the the crazy part about the rural locations, all the rural locations, all they basically did was been awarded and moved into the city. So it left those chas out there with nobody to serve the population of the medical patients out there. So that's how that whole rural thing really came about. It wasn't like they got left out in the original awarding of licenses. They were awarded. But what happened was after the time period, they were grandfathered where they could move. And everybody moved out of the rural locations and moved into the heavily populated locations. But to me, that's a business plan in itself. Yeah. We get a rural location, we can still move. If we get into the city, it doesn't make a difference. We can still make it to the city in a certain amount of time. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's, all, it's, like it's a game or something, right? And then exactly. uh, have you did you apply with any of the social equity applicants in Illinois? I did. We applied for 60 retail licenses out there. Mm-hmm. And we did 23 crop cultivation, trans- transportation, and infusion. And we yeah. are, we were one of the first people that actually uh, sued when they went into that first lawsuit where they had the 19 people suing. We were one of those that hopped onto that lawsuit, most definitely. But we're in limbo there. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. KPMP, the person that was contracted, they were right. one of the people that were awarded a life. I mean, in the round to get a license where that well, was not a conflict of interest. So, yeah, go figure when it comes to social equity. No, oh, it's yeah. terrible. And then that's it all is a byproduct. Like, why isn't anybody questioning how come we're just controlling these 75 dispensaries in the state of Illinois? There's 600 effing Starbucks in Illinois. All right. There's more than another 600 local coffee shops. We're talking like over 1,200 coffee shops. You can't have six, eight. I mean, how many people applied? It was about 900 people applied. 
how many of them were qualified and actually would have made a process if they took their applications like they do in, say, uh, Massachusetts, where first they so qualify you as social equity. OK, even qualified as social equity. Now you're going to be much more attracted to the investors and you actually need that real estate now where it starts to get heavier financially. And so that's where it's easier to make that type of corporate um, deal, whether it's landlord or whether it's an investor or however you swing the deal. But then like, it, it's there's a process to get licensed. It may take time. People may disqualify themselves along the way as they can't, you know, they can't do it. But there's yeah. a way to get it. But, you know, in Illinois, though, you, even though you say there's a way to get it, you know, I think there should be a bigger stink. The fact that you've had identical applications that rank, and, and, you know, different. Like you don't have, you don't have two, two of the exact same cars with the exact same engine with the exact same tires and the exact same street going sixty miles an hour and then end up in different spots. They all stop at the same freaking yeah. yeah. I mean, like KPMG's tra- lack of transparency. What you got going on over there is just as fucked up as the. the Fifty thousand, half a million dollars required to, to join. You know, this is this is a fucking yeah. rich man's game that all these laws have been tailored towards. Like, and, but then Michigan yeah. and Oklahoma, they would have those people would have been applied for, and they would have started going into operations, and they could have lived or died by their own merits. You know, and and. Yes. Uh, and in Michigan, it's similar, but like in Michigan, I'll get calls and then they're like, I want to do this in this particular township. Michigan's a lot like California, where a lot of the areas, even in established states, still have prohibition in it. Um, and so it's kind of just it's chicanery when it comes down to it. I mean, yeah. did you have any of your apps that got just woefully different scores for absolutely no reason? Yes. In Illinois, we were able, because we applied for so many different licenses, we were able to cross-reference all of our scores. Our spreadsheet, we didn't get two applications that had the same exact score, but it was the same exact exhibit that was turned into everything. We had perfect scores on some and the worst scores that you could think of on any, on, on others. Oh, so no. we have one that's always been prestigious and was always at the top of the line, but the, the, crop of the cream. I'm just like, what is going on? I don't do work like this. So once I actually put everything together and it made me feel better, like when I was just speaking with you to know that it just wasn't me because I was just one, like I'm one that I dot my I's and cross my T's with due diligence. So I didn't skip anything. So I'm like, how did I get a hundred percent on this and got an F on this? I don't. And that's how extreme the scores were. It wasn't even close, like two or three points. It was 48 on one and literally zero on another. Yeah. And I'm not trying to explain this to clients because then I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. Um, You you got perfect. You're missing something. You're missing several things. And it's all for like the waste management plan, which is you have to follow these waste management rules. There's really no like two ways about it. There's not a lot of wiggle room. This isn't like your financial plan or your business plan where you're showing the money or you don't have any money. You know, and you're just like... Well, like Celeste was saying, you know, you double check yourself enough as it is, especially the stigma that's around. You're like, wait a minute. Who's the one that does this? Right. Is, are is, they, is, it, is it? Am I the weird one here? No, no. Because you made up all the fucked up rules that I got to fucking abide by. But yeah, nothing makes sense. I can't wait to see the documentary of the KPMG scoring of the Illinois apps uh, in like <laughs> 10 years. Like, you know, uh, but the, by then, hopefully, like like Michigan is doing a great job. I think Oklahoma's has like too little regulation, to be honest. But it's open. Like, you know, you wouldn't need to play these types of weird parlor trick games if people could just get a license. I don't, I don't think there's so much. There's too little regulation, right? Like, I think there should be like, what is a minimum regulation? And that's just lab testing, you know, and and then to be involved well, in, the, in the power and taxes and shit like that. Yeah, but then like you have to, you know, if you're going to be making foodstuffs, you're going to be regulated like you're making foodstuffs. And, and that's just what you have to understand. You're operating in that vicinity. You're taking something that people are supposed to like smoke and so uh, it's not necessarily regulated as a food but then how's tobacco regulated is it well, I mean, it's taxed i can buy you seeds know? in the plant and, and order to amazon and, and, and buy it to and grow it at home if i wanted to yeah. like but you know like a farmer's market though like you know i don't go to the broccoli guy and be like yo did you you know did you wash this shit what's yeah. going on with the this you know, coas on this broccoli bro i'm just saying you know what i mean like like you're, there's there's different levels of like the human bartering interaction and then there's like what i expect when i go to like walmart 
you know, what I expect when I go to the store and McDonald's, like they're all going to be the same. It's all going to be the same quality crap. It's, but it's crap that I accept. Right. <laughs> you know, you know well, what you're walking into. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing with, with, with the regulation of cannabis is if all plant testing was required, you know, people will buy shitty weed. People will buy stuff that was, you know, sprayed with Eagle Max 20. Yeah. People will stuff, you know, stuff we use. All this shit that has a little skull next to it, people will smoke that shit because we're, we're dumb. <laughs> or cheap. What are the two? People are cheap. They're just a little bit unreasonably cheap. I want to pull up the actual text that is from the social equity aspect from the uh, the new Arizona law. However, it's like it's it's really not there in the sense that they don't call it social equity or anything. And so they just uh, it's it's class B on it and uh, B something. So what's the the subheading above that to documentation that the application is in good standing with Arizona? Applying for a marijuana, an initial marijuana establishment license. All right. And so that's what it is. It's sub B for applying for that. And then with that, they don't mention social equity at all, but they do say one or more of the principal officers or board members of the applying entity holds at least 51% ownership in the entity. You know what they didn't say there? Profits. And in LLCs, you can separate ownership from profits, can't you? And so right there, you might be able to say, hey, do you want 51% of a company? Sure. Okay, but you don't get any profits. Yeah. What's that? Um, it's along the lines of that salary bullshit you were talking about earlier. Yeah. But you know what helps with that? Oh, what time is it? It's 420. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we aren't done. It gets more bullshitty. And so after that, you need to have petitioned the court for expungement pursuant to, and then they have a citation, ARS 36-2862. Must be some type of cannabis statute, I would imagine. And had a family income of 2019 that would make somebody eligible under another statutory. And then uh, I'm assuming that's I don't know. I would have to look that up. Like, what is that? Is that food stamps? Is that SNAP benefits? Is it eligible for what? Or is that another like uh, aspect of uh, the cannabis things for the department to waive the application fee? So I'm assuming that it has to do with income. And then, then they say and. So it's a third thing as well. Each principal officer or board member specified in that subsection B1, then they have to go get a certificate of completion from a department and provided educational training courses that include the following topics. Overview of federal and state law for marijuana, and then a whole bunch of stuff about business. So it's also a little bit, you know, paternalistic where it's like, but then you have to get yourself a business education and and it's required. So it's like uh, arrested, poor, and has to get this education. But is that the actually integrated? No freaking way. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of money. Like, what, of, Celeste, what is the estimate like cost of getting the, the AZ uh, game? Like, what 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 is it? Like, yeah. Oh, oh, we're having a, we're having an audio issue with Celeste. Um, uh, there's a little. I think your mic's disconnected or something. Because uh, perhaps the mic disconnected. Sometimes if we unplug it and plug it back in, it also works. There you go. All right. Can we hear you now? Okay, would that be for the current turnkey dispensaries? Yes, the current turnkey dispensaries. Yeah. How much are one of those? Probably starting off. I mean, one that's making minimal money, doesn't have any real estate, plus doesn't have any brands coming out of it because they do have some of those that exist. Most definitely minimally, 14, 15 million because it's not recreational and solely because it's medical recreational. Wow. wow. Tell me that gift. $15 million. <laughs> Because they used to, they, right now, the going use um, of a license is about 50000 for medical recreational. And then they want terms on it as far as first grant refusal, you know, a percentage under what everybody else would pay for the product. So they're wanting a high dollar for the use of the license to cultivate, you know, to use as doing something as well as taking a percentage off of it or asking for a discounted product which you wouldn't do any other business especially if you're going to charge somebody top dollar but some of them are going even higher than 50,000 for use that's on a minimal for use some of them are going up to 70 and 80 because what they're doing is they're breaking them into two categories you can either get a medical use or you get a recreational use 
Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. weird-ass indentured servant shit. That's what that is. That is <laughs> hey, that's not how you have to go with it. That's the rich getting richer and keeping the people beneath them on purpose. Um, And so, yeah. And then what new to see what New Mexico is doing, like just next door, night and day difference. Uh, New Mexico is looking like it's starting to set up more like an Oklahoma style, but with a little bit more regulation. But like if you want a license. Yes, you may get a license if the community will allow it. Like it's going to be more like a liquor license. So they can always say, you know, we got 50 bars. We don't need 51, you know. Well, New Mexico's governor was on board and it seems like that governor is more on board for the people. Whereas Arizona just want to, they they just, they use the shit out of you. Like they don't care about the the common, you're just like little palm pieces, all the brown right. little Black and brown pieces are a little shuffled around, and they move them around, and 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 and, and send them in prison because I own stock in that. I used to have like, a ah, dude. And the cheap Arizona, leave. Yeah. The cheap palm pieces, the real plastic ones that you barely blow, that could barely stand up. Start off with those ones. Not even a good set of a good palm. palm right. Piece. Seriously though, because like, and, and then of course the old people, they're gonna shuffle them around too. Because I, I used to live down in southern Arizona, and uh, it, it's predominantly influenced by this ignorant. <laughs> Uh, I hate to say, lack of a better word, like this, the, the present Democratic or Republican thinking, like the whole like um, uh, QN on shit. That essentially who runs Arizona. Like, like, like. Unfortunately, you know, it's so sunny and warm, no one gets out and vote. I don't know what the fucking issue is out there. That like, <laughs> it took me a while to get voting, but you know, yeah. just gotta get people to get out there, right? Most definitely. Hey, Celeste, I wanted to thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, what's going on with Ace, I'm sorry, Acre 41, and where can we find out more about it? Um, we will have our website up and going soon, and then we'll catch us all over. We will most definitely get into all the different media. We're staying out in the room. Um, we'll be out here just to help, so we'll be around. But most definitely, we're one that's actually giving back. We want to protect the social equity applicant. Whether awesome. we get a license or not, our whole goal is just to make sure that the social equity applicant is a true social equity applicant, not a strong yeah. That's why you, you try that certification period at the beginning. See what they're doing in Boston and in L.A. to like kind of certify them first before all this mess that happens with the uh, applications like in Illinois. And best of luck on the lottery. Thank you. Thank you yeah. as well. And then another thing I think that they could add on to it as well is if they make sure that the social equity applicant is also always a social equity applicant license, meaning it has 51% ownership. So let's say if the MSO does get one, they go through the cracks. As long as 51% always is to a social equity applicant, I could deal with that as well. Because at the end of the day, the MSO won't really be winning. I don't think they'll throw money the way that they do if they know they could solely own 49% of that company. Hmm. We shall see. It's going to be a very dynamic industry. I can tell you that much. No, we got a new headline out of... New York City, the taxi commission is going to stop testing cabbies for weed. Yeah. yeah. That means I can finally get a job out there. All right. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Celeste. Yeah. Hey, speaking of, you know, before we jump into the next story, I had a question thinking about her position. And because uh, I'm really, I really like the whole woman, four women behind a, a business type thing, right? Now, technically, if they won both the licenses in Chicago, because I want to separate the, the big, creepy, spooky MSO. Who, who we talk about, like as far as uh, in Chicago or all, sure. of, uh, all you know, all of you guys, opposed to like somebody that that, that is for women that get behind uh, a business and become like more uh, in multi states, right? right? There's a big difference. How how can we define the, between the small MSO and then like the big creepy uh, people who have a board and nobody even touch cannabis ever in their life? Well, I don't really know if you can, man. I mean, like, it's just completely different things. I mean, like, truly, CEO is a woman. Uh, and so the largest cannabis company, the largest MSO is, is head by a, a woman, chief female, mm. chief executive officer. So it's it, it really just depends on, like, how are the, what game are they playing? Are you playing the type of game where you're trying to control the supply and also the demand and the access to the license so you're not even competing and you're just really trying to grab as much market share as you can while suppressing any type of... Um, competition from anybody you know is that why they they prefer these limited style licenses where they're going to be over-regulated and they're like no no we should grade these applications as opposed to like we trust the people know how to make weed here's (laughs) your license yeah well, that's what I think, because like, 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 like her company, like, like right now, what's going on in uh, uh in my uh, Michigan, where the uh, MCMA 
are, are, are against uh, home grow and other like patients. So like here in Washington, right, when 502, the recreational bill came about, they literally killed our medical program. Right. And medical is the, the gateway to recreational. Like that's why we're all here right now. But for some reason, there's this like creepy corporate thinking like we cannot allow home grows we cannot allow seeds we just can't allow the market to be expanded which to me is like this this limited thinking that is actually hindering like it's a no-brainer just like with activism like if, if uh, your crime is to do with weed i got no problem supporting you no matter what right. like you know and then it, like if there was a gun involved like again i will still support you but then i got a question like what is going on but still it's going to suppress the industry. So like one of the cool things would be if, you know, Oklahoma is so freewheeling that you could probably create more innovative products there, like, you know, innovative software or innovative um extractions or technologies down there because it's easier to access a license and then uh, you know get into the industry as opposed to in areas where like with the big MSOs or like like Arizona where What's the point of the what's the policy point of this law? Well, it clearly is not to stop the illicit industry at all because the right. illicit industry, you know, they aren't they don't have the ability to access that. And so that's that's what I don't like about that style of MSO like legalization, where it perpetuates the legacy industry because you give them nowhere to go. Well, like you're saying, though, with the uh, um, like the, the expanded Oklahoma market and how they have more ability and, and what you just explained just now, how you describe like the potential is what happened here in Washington, like during the medical days when it was just get a script. It was just get a business license and open a store and and, and go take my weed and my grow and sell whatever pounds I had. It was that. And but exactly what like you said, though, legalizing it had nothing to do with like giving a, a, a safer option. Like in the end, I think was constituents and all the legislatures it had nothing to do about making it better. It had everything to do about regulating this freaking billion dollar money industry that they saw coming. They saw it. Yeah. Dude, I was doing dabs and going to farmers markets and nobody died. <laughs> yeah, but that's the problem. Like, you know, they saw this big money maker, and so they made sure that it would be ultra regulated because if something's ultra regulated and you know it's going to be a guaranteed cash flow, then you just limit the supply like they did to only those select few people. And then you know that it's illegal, so you can't get any like slippage. There's going to be no cheap weed coming up from Oklahoma to create uh, parity with the price. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, it's a hundred dollar eighth in Ohio. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I mean, we're going to get there, right? Because this regulation is still, it, it develops itself, just like in, or in New York City, how we were just about to talk about with the cabbies, right? Where yeah. All the 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 infrastructure, the, uh, uh, the, the rights and responsibilities, like here with 502, what it did give it, and what I will give props to is workers' rights. It's a huge thing. You know, I, I think uh, uh, if I if I work at a trim or a grow, I should have, uh, you know, uh, holidays, you know, medical, uh, all these things that, regular people get you know we're not cannabis is not a unique industry you know no, cannabis is just any other industry and if anything it's just over regulated and poorly un- miss you know it's poorly understood it's kind of like banking except uh i'd say more people get hurt with the cannabis industry than with banking with banking you just go broke yeah well that's by the law though that's that's what hurts us not the because like you know now with marijuana legal in new york the city uh taxi and limousine commission will no longer test cabbies and and livery drivers someone who drives for a living yeah new word i learned what's that uh livery 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 drivers not not the livery i always thought that was misspelled on things you're telling me there's a word livery that means driver for for hire Someone who drives for a taxi for a living is a livery. Uh, that's, that's why you tune in to Cannabis Legalization News, to learn what livery means. But uh, Fernando Mateo, founder and spokesman of the New York State Foundation of Taxi Drivers, told The Post, big mistake, it's irresponsible. If they're not going to be tested for marijuana, that means drivers will have the opportunity to smoke weed and drive. Nice. Now, I don't want my kids in a car that the guy that smokes weed and is allowed to smoke weed regularly and not, get, not tested. get tested. We have to draw the line somewhere, says the man without any personal experience about driving while high. Seriously, though, and not just that. Hey, bro, I hate to pop your bubble, but I'm pretty sure it's happening now. Like, um, Yeah, but then the other yeah. thing is, I hate to pop your bubble. It's not alcohol. It affects your brain in a completely different way. And if you, you know, I'm not saying like do it while driving, but if you wait 20 minutes, 30 minutes, because like if you look at the chart on on your uh, exposure after you've smoked a bong or something, it gets through your system pretty quickly. Yeah. But you know what? I'm more worried about that person who smokes cigarettes and hasn't had their cigarette in a fucking day. 
Oh, they're going to be mad. Than I am about the guy who smoked weed that day. I'm like, all right, let's go, bro. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? yeah. Uh, now, edibles, I think, is a different matter because edibles metabolize longer as opposed to like the inhalables. But but look, I believe in personal responsibility, man. Like, I've smoked too much. And, and, and as I've gotten behind the car going, okay, this ain't going to happen. I yeah. And I believe in facts. Like, I don't want somebody's rumor mill and like fear mongering without any personal experience to be you know, ruining the day or like, you know, winning the day on that particular issue. I'd like to get some data from the person has personal experience. And and what does the data say? And what's your, cause like this, this guy is just advocating fear. Like we have to draw the line somewhere. I don't know where it is, but I don't want them doing that. This other guy has already done it before. And so, you know, no common sense. And, and, and just, uh, like you said, personal responsibility. Like, like if I go to the taxi and then like a billow of smoke comes out when I open the door, right. and the guy turns around and be like, "Ready?" and I'd be like, "No, well, no I mean, I might." While be ready. ripping, while ripping like a big Bob Marley joint. I mean, like, I might uh, jump in and be like, "That's how you kidnapped that, me, bro." He's just he's just chiefing away in a big Bob Marley joint. He's like, "Where to, buddy?" I'm just saying. I'd be like, "Holy shit! I found my spirit animal." But if you're not a consumer. You have the, you know, what I mean, like yeah. you're an adult. You can just be like, "That's not my option. I'm gonna go with the next guy, dude." You know, I, like, I, still don't, I wouldn't be that irresponsible. I, I once I'm done with a Bob Marley joint, I'd be like, in a half hour, I'm leaving. <laughs> Shit, yeah, I'm fine. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just gonna live how I live, bro. And that's um, like, yeah. I'll be riding with you. Oh, but don't worry, guys. Uh, the the policy noted that other drug testing would remain unchanged. So do not drink and drive uh, for cabs or any other drugs. But also, that's um, just the THC doesn't leave your system. And so it's yeah. just easy to test for. It's going to be hard to – that's going to be a new one when it comes to, like, if something happens. And then, again, drug testing, what does it prove? It proves that we can't find you. It proves that we can't find the bad people. That- I thought you were going to say these drugs are fun. Well, drug testing. Oh, which ones are we testing? Yes, uh, I'm in. Uh, but then, like, it'd be like we're testing meth. No, thank you. No, yeah, no. Yeah. I'd rather not be up all day picking uh, my, I, cleaning I, my fingernails. I, better things to do. Uh, but so uh, then, it's like, and, and continuing, Delta Eight is getting yeah. banned somewhere else. News. We should get a bumper for that. Another Seriously. like, you know, with the, the another one bites the dust, because since we've been reporting uh, since we've had this podcast, Delta eight has not been a thing, been a thing and now been a thing that's uh, quickly and, you know, repetitively getting prohibited. So New York is the latest state to ban Delta eight THC and it modified its ban on smokable hemp flour. New York state is the latest state to expressly prohibit Delta eight THC and other THC isomers derived from hemp. So dumb. Uh, Empire State made small concessions to hemp producers this week in an updated batch of hemp regulations, including the modification of limits on smokable hemp and removing a requirement that all cannabinoids over 0.05% be listed on product labels. 25. Hemp vapes are allowed if they are limited to customers over 21 and carry a warning stating that smoking or vaporizing is hazardous to your health because science says that. Smoking is hazardous to your health. I mean, think about those long-term studies about smoking weed. Uh, Tommy Chong turned 83 in uh, long-term studies of smoking weed news. You know, well, you know, matter of fact, I mean, it's it, it, long-term studies are anecdotal, right? Willie Nelson. Willie Tommy Nelson. Tommy, Tommy Chong. We, we haven't been allowed to, to well, actually have. I also like um, Grinspoon, like, you know, Lester mm. Grinspoon finally passed. He was 91. I think Jack Hare, uh, the reason why he went a little bit early was because man loved life a little too much. I'm not sure if he was yeah. only smoking cannabis or if he was also, sm- well, he, you know, I can nah. see how he could have like a stroke. That's oh, yeah, I'm just saying he wasn't, he wasn't a, a fitness guy. He wasn't a fitness buff. Yeah. That's it. He was an activist, not a fitness dist. Yeah. So the uh, Delta 8 TAC ban new since the health department first proposed the rules last year comes in line and that says hemp cannabinoids products may not contain synthetic cannabinoids or cannabinoids created through isomerization, including Delta 8 and Delta Delta 10. Wow, they really just like let's go salt of seven. I mean, what the? Well, then they can. Then what you're going to see is you're going to see cannabinoid uh, intoxicating cannabinoids, non-intoxicating cannabinoids, and something like that. You'll see some policy change or some definitional changes to mop it up. I think that you know this is just what's going to happen for the next few months into the 2022 farm bill, where they'll just redefine um, hemp. I think they're going to redefine hemp as one percent THC. Yeah, but what 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 misguided? Way to regulate 
a plant like like because all the reason why they're going on delta eight is because of the word thc right like you're right. just gonna have a blanket thc number one day is what they're gonna want yeah do. but then they got they're gonna have thc something else i'm not gonna spoil it i'm gonna wait until after the 2022 because i for anybody who's like you know uh, watching trying to say like how should we define it next time let's tune into that show and hope that that one guy tells us how to well, this is, it just seems ridiculous, though, to, to, to chase after this. T- like, the Delta 8's like chasing after Pabst Blue Ribbon. Like, you're just, it's not It's not hard liquor. It's not the, you know, that's even out of your system faster. Right. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the um, fear-mongering about the plant. And then also there might be some, they don't want the competition. The license holders don't want the competition. I was in Chicago and you just walk down the street and it's like Delta 8 sold here. Here's some Delta 8. Would you like some Delta 8, sir? Uh, you know, 30 bucks an eighth uh, in just a bodega. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally get it. And it is about creating the lack of competition right yeah because they don't want that competition but well that that stuff tastes like crap anyway i mean like that's one of the things you know if they're if if thc cannabis was as defined like uh, freely available as delta 8 cannabis i bet it would taste kind of garbagey as well because there would just be so much of it and it just wouldn't have been preserved or taken care of very well so a lot of those those lovely terpenes there you know what this reminds me about terpenes we should probably play name that strain there we go Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. There's a strain for you to name. That's pretty. All right. And now, Miggy, why don't you describe that strain to the we got the listening at home? The greens of a hunter forest green. Oh, oh very, very hunter forest. Yes. And then light little dabbles of like a, a neon green in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very nice stock. Uh, yeah, I have a uh, the, the bracks are very curly and seem to be, well, the trim job is amazing. This, mm-hmm. this is so close to the edge of the bud. It's, it's just beautiful. Um, nice little it look like a crescent moon look. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, Gorgeous orange pistol. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, man, I, I think it's a delicious looking nugget right there. It is a uh, this one would be an heirloom varietal, I think. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. This is something I've, I've definitely heard about in. Well, hell, famous. famous. Yep. Give them that much. <laughs> hey, but let's do a promo while people are getting their uh, guesses in. So go ahead and, and guess that. And one of the things we can give away is actually a ticket, I think, uh, to the upcoming Chicago Cannabis Industrial Marketplace trade show for the emerging market. Uh, we'll be there uh, this June 24th or 25th in Chicago. If you go to CannabisIMP.com and use promo code CLB15, you get 15% off. I think somebody has it. A couple of people have it already. So, like, we're going to have to track back up. I I know this guy. He had the Maui Waui. Wait a second. It's not Maui Waui. Oh, yeah. Never mind. That was last (laughs) month. That was last week's name, that strain. Yeah, no, we got it, though. Uh, All right. There it is. And so, yeah, head on over to CannabisIMP.com and then buy tickets to the Chicago show on June 24th, 25th. Come on out and see us there. I want to hear about your cannabis business. Hopefully by then we're going to have some winners in the Illinois space and there's going to be a lot of excited social equity license holders for their dispensaries, at least. I have no idea when the crafts might be coming out. But, yeah, let's wrap up that name, that strain. Somebody got it? Yeah, it's definitely the Chicago. That'd be the question, right? Because you have a Chicago ticket. Yeah. And if not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I know that we have some tickets that we can give away. I mean, if, uh, you know, Acapulco Gold, shout out to Rafael. Right on. All right. Uh, oh, wait. There you go. Trying you, to know, notes. you want to tell them about the, uh, the strain or? Oh, yeah, I'm just trying to get caught up here. This strain comes from the area in and around Acapulco, Mexico, and its orange hairs resemble a gold nugget with gold, green, and brown colors and plenty of resin on the buds. I would agree with all that. Yeah, I love resins. Little little trichomes. That's that's so much keef. Beautiful. While its exact genetics remain a mystery, Acapulco Gold is a popular and historically significant sativa-leaning hybrid that thrives in outdoor environments and is indigenous to Acapulco, Mexico, as its name would uh, you know, make you believe. And then as indoor cultivation becomes a go-to method for many growers, the original Acapulco Gold cultivar is considered to be a bit of a rarity within modern-day cannabis cultivation circles. 
Good for outdoor. Probably finishes really long, and they don't like it in the indoor, I bet. Hmm. I got some uh, Himalayan blackberry here, and uh, it's a Nepalese mixed with some North Indian. Yeah, I bet that finishes in about eight weeks, so they could just turn that flower room. Oh, no, this will be finished in about two days. I'm talking about (laughs) All right, now, uh, weed gifting companies are starting up in New Jersey, but are they legal? Uh Uh-oh. In my world, weed gifting is coming to the garden state. Licensees to sell legal weed are still coming, still months away. But there's a help handful of entrepreneurs coming into the scene through a possible legal loophole gifting cannabis. Sounds like the uh, DC method. Yes, that popular DC method where you have uh, a company lets you buy cookies, snacks, or brownies that come with a sticker that costs fifty dollars. Uh, and so, like, depending on what color your sticker is, you can kind of know how much weights in the bag that you have. So you kind of weigh out all your weights, and your eighths are like gold stickers, and then your halves are like silver stickers. And so then, for some reason, that sticker that you sell for like one hundred and fifty or whatever, you know, um, it's it's just it's your art. It's you can't put a price on. On that you ever get those stickers of the little like when you put the dollar in the machine you slide it in and it pops out and like they're like metallic no. and they're like bad parodies so i got kids and this is like a, a good way to get to entertain them you just buy all the cheap shit you see and uh, uh all these stickers are they're like these parody of like candy bars and shit like that i'd be feeling all these fuckers they'd be like the most expensive 50 dollars stickers and call them nfts fuck it <laughs> call them nfts you know but uh unfungible yeah. token Governor Murphy actually signed the law to legalize cannabis and decriminalize possession of up to six ounces uh, that made these companies find legal cover. So this weed gifting, I mean, like six ounces of weed on the streets of Jersey, it's probably at least 200 bucks an ounce, I'd imagine. So that'd be $1,200, right? Well, and I imagine that what they're doing is they're parking a pound somewhere else and walking around six ounces in their pocket. That sounds safer to me. I'm just saying, this is, you know, the, the cannabis industry, like always with the laws, there's always people, entrepreneurs, and these mm-hmm. are the real pioneers, people who just take it upon themselves to like, on the fringes of the gray law still, like, we wouldn't be where we're at if it wasn't people like this, like, just like we're in uh, uh, Carolina, who, ex- or no, Virginia, who expedited, expedited their uh, legalization to July. Guarantee there's going to be a bunch of entrepreneurs who are skirting the legality, like a bunch of Craigslist employees, <laughs> you know, right. essentially what they're going to become. Yeah, they reached out to an attorney in a Princeton-braced law firm of Stark & Stark, Gene Martin, who said, in short, it's illegal as jaywalking or walking on somebody else's lawn, perhaps, but the enforcement penalties are negligible. That said, perhaps the case could be made a business engaging in a practice that is trafficking marijuana if you add up all the quantities delivered to the customers. And therefore, you could face some serious penalty and criminal charges if they but then, you know, and that's that's how he was quoted. But uh, think about that. You know, are the cops going to like really run a wire to shut down uh, a couple of ounces of weed? Well, and I think we talked about this with, with the Jersey Weed Man. Like, there are a whole bunch of people taking a stance. They're, you they're, said it was thriving. Civil disobedience yeah. is going to be the way that these guys can still exist and, and, and they make money. But you know what the thing is? There's a, Did you ever see, uh, what is it, The Simpsons? There was an episode where uh, the, 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 the nice dispensary was taking all the owners, and then Homer decided to do this old school dispensary where, like, he come to your house and deliver it like, he, you know, he was the yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, there's a, a niche market for all this shit. Like, people want to go to a store. People want to buy weed. People want to be told what the good weed is. And other people just don't give a fuck. They want to want a handshake and then just here's your money. Right. You know, and I think, I think both it's of- gonna, like buying weed might become like one of those experiential type things where some people aren't going to have a weed guy anymore. Like the people like if I was in college, I probably wouldn't have a weed guy unless it was somebody who was growing it himself. And then like it would be one of those things where, you know, yeah, you have your home plants and those might go missing. I live in a legal state and I don't, I haven't had a wee guy in two years. Like I, I have wee people that I, I know I could buy an ounce or two if I want to go yeah. support my local economy, which I, I love supporting the shit too. But uh, uh, one of the nice things about living in a legal state is not being obligated to the same weed for more than an eighth or a gram. Yeah. I can buy varieties once every day a gram a day well like and then with growing because we have home grow for medical patients you know you hang out with other people that like to grow and then you just have way too much weed 
It's way too much. Well, it's well, not the, way too much. It's just the right amount of weed. Yeah. But that's the medical market. That's the 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 culture that develops because you guys rely on each other, right? Like when people say they're for recreational, yeah. no one cares about you. <laughs> you know, I mean, majority of them is medical. Like, uh, yeah, all use is medicinal use. But I just live in a situation now where I can just go to a store. Now I, I miss that community. I miss that market. I miss uh, being able to like buy ounces of really great weed for like 50 bucks because they had a really good grow that week or whatever month or, you know that the, the price is varied per the grow not per the the market per se what else we got going on oh, oh yeah just uh some more aspects about that where you know this this small market is it it just depends on what state has done what so like because they have the six ounce limit in new jersey there's maybe this smaller market that has popped up that's unregulated but it's different in, in different areas so like dc only has one ounce uh allowed of for gifting and then in virginia that's got legality coming up in about a let's see about a month it's almost june so by july we'll have we'll celebrate virginia's legalization and so there you're not allowed to gift at all in illinois you're not allowed to gift i'm sure people i know people do but um it's just silly that you aren't allowed to gift but amounts are silly rules right like i can only buy an ounce of a day if i wanted to here like i told you before i've gone camping and i, I buy my one max at one store and go buy it at another store because you know it's about two or three ounces if i'm gonna be gone for a week or two just uh yeah. in the woods you know there's there's no weed stores in the woods no but that's you got some opportunities of- for smoking uh weed <laughs> It's the only place you can ever grow. Mm-hmm. Just all the time. But yeah, no, it's a. Uh, I think Jersey is going to have a really good market. You know, it's going to have a really good culture. I wish I would love to check it out one day, you know, go visit Weed Man's store. Uh, he's doing quite well in Florida. He's doing not promote promos now. Oh, that's great. I can't wait to see more of those because he's got that club. That would be hilarious to open a club in oh, uh, Tampa with uh, NJ Weed Man and just, just to be like going over his books and like. These, these aren't books. I know. It's off the books. Oh, so it was the P&Ls for last month. They were good. See, and that's why you are in business, because yeah. it's people like, well, I can't. It's the bookkeepers. You know, there you go. That's what you need. If you don't yeah. have bookkeepers, you should, especially in cannabis. Well, you know who needs a bookkeeper is uh, Jay-Z. Well, before we do Jay-Z, let's talk about something that actually might be able to help with the bookkeeping. Uh, let's do a 420 joint for, uh, to promote WebJoint. This is uh, in promotion with WebJoint. Do we actually... Delivery is booming in California and other states that are legalizing recreational cannabis. Yeah, it is. Okay. No, no, no. You do it, man. COVID is a catalyst that has permanently changed consumer behavior. WebJoint is a software company in the center of it, allowing cannabis deliveries across California to operate efficiently and compliantly as the leading cannabis delivery software provider in California. Sweet. Hey, they are now looking to expand into other cannabis legal states. In order to do so, they've launched a regulation crowdfunding campaign. With a little as $230, you can invest in the leading cannabis delivery software company in the country. Uh, yeah, check them out. I uh, appreciate you guys' uh, you know, uh, sponsorship for our, our little segment. And uh, you know, check them out if you're in the software industry. Yep. Partnership disclosure, because this is social media. If you were watching this on television right now, this would have been way more subtle of a picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there would have been like an actual commercial, maybe some laser beams. Oh, yeah. I mean, but then like if this was a Spielberg, there just would have been Reese's Pieces and a Coca-Cola. Like uh, this Zevia. I can't tell you what it is. They aren't paying me. So uh, Jay-Z's marijuana business is gearing up to produce a lot of weed. Yeah. Uh, HOV's business, the parent company just finished uh, up some of the big deals that will shape the cannabis business in the state of California. <laughs> Early this month, the company made $67 million worth of transactions, including a $50 million purchase at a company, Mercer Park Brand Acquisition Corp., which is a, to merge with another company called Glasshouse Group in a deal worth $567 million. Jesus Christ. It's just like it's such a weird world, man. Like It's just so know, much money. Well, just, uh, you know, it's one just 10 years ago, I was advocating for people who were locked up and, and, and laws were still medical and primitive. And now we got 
million dollar acquisitions, half a million, half a billion, half a billion, half a billion. Company called Glass House, Mercer Park. Yeah, what is the Hova up to? I wonder. But nine hundred thousand pounds of weed. Is, yeah, uh, more than a little bit of a lot of weed. Uh, nine hundred thousand pounds of weed. What is he going to do? Just hold all of New York down? I mean, that's it's hilarious. Well, I think they're in California, only still. So mm, Steve Allen, right. the chief executive officer of the parent company, said these partnerships are a fantastic opportunity to secure long-term access to over 900,000 pounds of high-quality, low-cost, California-grown cannabis for use across our expanding portfolio of branded products. So yeah, it's strictly a California deal. Um, it's not strictly a California deal, though. I mean, like, California is going to be spitting out a lot of the country's weed here after it goes fully legal because of the type oh, yeah. of climate that it has. And so, you know, for a long-term play... I think, well, the problem then with uh, Arizona and also New Mexico, there are certain areas in there that have really nice climates for spitting out a lot of weed in like a light depth greenhouse state or mixed light, whatever you call it. Um, it, It's just that what happens if there's no water there? Well, you know, what's funny you mentioned that how cannabis is going to be the great export because you're right. They will be because they have the, the, the history and culture, but it's kind of like how I look at like Nebraska and, and uh, like corn, like certain regions are going to produce certain our culture here in the States, you know, Idaho right. potatoes, yeah. California, the West coast will definitely produce, I think the majority of the cannabis across the nation. So you're right. This is a great staging for like future uh, legalization. Yeah, I could see that. They could think it's really going to be stuff like this. And again, like I should buy Graham that uh, that stock. It's it's just that um, I don't like to buy the pot stocks in the summer because there's usually no new markets coming online. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, <laughs> wow. speaking of markets, so one for just <laughs> I can't I can't even say this guy's fucking name. Fucking all right, straight give it a shot. Come on, all right. Dan Bilzerius Camps Company Ignite finally had a profitable quarter quarter to Pro Bible. This motherfucker. <laughs> wow, Bro Bible. Oh my God, Joseph himself, Dan Blazarian, didn't have a great go of it in 2020, but things may finally be turning around for the Instagram playboy turned gonjapreneur, Blazarian's cannabis company Ignite spelled all in caps, reported a profitable quarter in 2020, according to a regulatory filing last month. I would love to see the books on that. Me too. Yep. I would love to see if daddy's money wasn't involved in it. I mean, I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Or the fact that yeah, whatever. you haven't had any real product and fucking ever? Or I just, I just hate the fact that this guy still makes news. Dan Blazarian didn't uh, put that. A quick recap, Blazarian's bad year. He finished his autobiography, but then had to move out of a $75 million mansion after falling behind in rent, much to the delight of his neighbors. Next, his weed company, Ignite, came under fire for burning through millions a month. Corner reports, Ignite reported a loss of $67 million or, or a CAD, $50 million U.S. in the fiscal year of 2019. Like, this guy just loses retarded money. Like, like, well, hang on a second. In examples of uh, of how much would you call that retarded money? An example of losing retarded money news. Some of uh, Blitzagarian's line items include $40,000 for a rock climbing wall, $15,000 for a ping pong ball table, $130,000 for a Bahamas photo shoot, and $88,000 for a vault, and a $200,000 a month rent in L.A. paid for by the company. $200,000 a month in rent in L.A.? No place is worth that. He's a human boat. You know the, the theory, if you buy a boat, just throw all your money in there because it's going to go through a hole in it no matter what? Like, that's what he is, is a human boat. Because I just don't understand how this much money gets absorbed in one individual, and yet now you're showing a profit? Let me, let's, let's go over his quote. Because he responded to Twitter to his... Uh, to, to, to Let's his, get into the brain of the man who spends $130,000 on a Bahamian po- photo shoot. I mean, he says, some journalist said Ignite was funding my life. Bitch, I've been going hard for 10 years. I've been famous for seven. I started Ignite two years ago, raised $100 million of my own. No, he didn't. Suck my dick. And that's how he responds? Suck my dick? Hey, I got to go real quick. I'm back. Ah, uh, yes. Well, let me continue to go over this nice man's accounting report. And so if I was the accountant of this guy, I would probably 
be laughing quite a bit when I was trying to do his books. Let's go over $840,000 in questionable expenses from Mr. Blitzerian's uh, Ignite books. There was a $65,000 expense for four elements, guns, and a Star Wars set, a $75,000 line item expense for a paintball field, a $26,000 Instagram vanity expense. So, uh, hey, um, Lauren, do me a solid. Can you buy me $26,000 worth of IG shit? Like, I want followers and, like, Photoshop me into things that I don't, that that are, like, fascinating that I would clearly not do because I have to get stuff to clients. Uh, A half a million dollar in yacht rental. Oh, boy, that would, that's what my company needs. And a six-figure two-night trip to London. Two nights in London for over $100,000. That is so ridiculous. And that is how you can launder money, provided that you have it. One of the ways that you can raise a lot of money, like $100 million, is to ask for it from the right people. And then evidently, sometimes they give it to you. And then if that happens, you can pay $65,000 for a Four Elements Guns and Star Wars set. The money is laundered. That's why you have a $2,000 for a nail and a hammer. Basics of saving money. Yes. Uh, Moving on into the more meat of the story, as the media started calling the CEO of Ignite to find uh, to out for faking his lavish Instagram friendly lifestyle. Oh, I see. Faking his Instagram friendly lifestyle. He was defending. That was what that Twitter was that uh, Miggy was reading for you. That was him defending his his uh, extremely vapid life. That's interesting. Um I'm glad that we he he goes on like this. And so um Although the company reported an all-time high of $16 million in sales, Ignite's biggest interim streams continued debt and shares in its own stock, which hit a low of $0.35 cents Canadian. And nearly all of the sales of Ignite recorded, 12.8 out of 16.9, was as a wholesaler, not as a retailer of branded products. So nobody really likes his weed. Ignite managed only $6.4 million gross profit on those sales figures, and the company continues to drown in administrative costs. Interesting. Ignite posted $22.6 million in operating expenses, and that coupled with her other losses included interest on existing debt, and that led to the $19.4 million in losses. In a statement issued with the earnings announcement, Blitzarian called the 2020 a difficult transition year. I wonder how much money they would have lost had he not had all those millions of dollars in stupid expenses. Dude, the guy's been such a joke throughout his whole existence as far as this cannabis industry goes. Like the the, the pure misogyny sexism. Like I'm no not a great human being, but I'm not some douche that's gonna make girls fucking run 100 miles an hour for a thousand dollars and just the stupid and human antics he makes these people do on his Instagram. oh gosh no he just sounds like the most narcissistic human that's walking the planet he spent 26 large on instagram he dropped yeah. one hundred thirty thousand dollars in a bahamut photo shoot oh look at me look at me i'm so effing pretty dude and then every yeah. like uh the boats the the 50 cal gun he what he did was he slapped the ignite brand on it and be like oh now i'm gonna charge it to ignite like I have no idea how much money he was slipping himself, but it was clearly a lot. And uh, turning from the pathetic to the really sad news, a black man has filed a federal lawsuit after an Illinois police officer told him a container with his daughter's ashes tested positive for drugs. Yeah. The Root is reporting this one. This is another. Oh, I got to go again. Aha. Okay. (laughs) According to the Washington Post, Deterius Barnes was handcuffed and put into a squad car on April 6, 2020, after being pulled over for allegedly speeding and ignoring a stop sign. Body camera footage shows that Barnes cooperated with officers during the stop, exiting the vehicle, and asked. Oh, I brought the truck. Wrapping up this podcast. Oh, shit. Gotta go. Uh oh. We are. Infinite loop now. Okay. Are we on? I gotta go. Okay. I'll talk to you later, Miggy. Well, I'm going to try to get back onto this, but then it just looks like I'm reading. Uh, We do this live during Miggy's um, lunch hour. So thanks for joining us and thanks for Miggy uh, uh, donating his time and really doing it for the activism. But uh, back to this terrible tragedy of of, uh, Mr. Barnes. He became, let's see, Barnes cooperated with the officers during the stop. He exited the vehicle when he was asked and giving his officers permission to search the vehicle. Barnes even told the officers he had marijuana in his vehicle, but it's April 6, 2020. It's legal. Uh, he became upset when the officers approached him with the metal container that contained the ashes of his two-year-old daughter, uh, Tanaja uh, Barnes. And officers tested the container and told Barnes that it came back positive for meth 
or ecstasy. Barnes can be heard yelling at the officers in the footage, give me that, bro. That's my daughter. Please give me that, bro. Put her in my hand, bro. Y'all being disrespectful. And Barnes's daughter tragically dissolved as a result of starvation and neglect with her mother and her mother's boyfriend sentenced to decades in prison as a result. Man, this is just like the most tragic story that I've ever heard. Uh, the body camera footage shows the officers discussing the contents of the container. At first, I thought it looked like heroin, and then I checked it for cocaine, but it looks like it's probably Molly, one of them said. Where are they conducting this test? Is there a lab involved? X pills, another officer replied. After discussing what Barnes had told them, the officers returned the urn to Barnes's father, who arrived on the scene, was visibly upset after learning they tested the ashes. Man. And so then they they let him go with a notice to appear on weed, uh, and then he was extremely upset. And then he filed a federal lawsuit against the city and six officers involved in the U.S. District Court for the Central District of Illinois last October. And they alleged they unlawfully tested them without his permission and that, that they desecrated her asses with when they allegedly spilled some while tested them. Uh, and the federal district judge had set the jury trial for next year. Man. I tell you, the uh, the stories of police out of Illinois or sometimes out of anywhere is just terrible sometimes. And sometimes they're great, but, you know, that one was terrible. Uh, here's some better news. Ohio quietly okays three new medical marijuana conditions, according to the MSN. Three proposed additions to Ohio's medical marijuana conditions were quietly okayed by the Ohio State Medical Board earlier this year. The board's medical marijuana committee met in February and determined that three conditions were already covered by the existing qualification of pain, and that is chronic, severe, or intractable. That's great. Those conditions are arthritis, chronic migraines, and complex regional pain syndrome. Excellent. So now the uh, conditions that you can go and access a medical card in Ohio and buy yourself a $100 eighth, but they don't actually sell it in that. Uh, they sell it in 2.4 grams, then like 5.8 grams for whatever reason. So if you have arthritis, chronic migraines, or complex regional pain syndrome in Ohio, you can now qualify for a medical marijuana card. The medical board issued a memo two weeks ago confirming the conditions qualify under the existing list and hasn't yet sent it to physicians. The memo will be shared in a monthly newsletter for physicians. Committee members draw attention to streams, the migraines, and then the migraines that happen several days a month. Okay, so you have to get a lot of migraines. You can't just get a few. That is uh, great news, and it also will probably help the 73 cannabis dispensary licenses that will be coming online in the not-so-distant future because the Board of Pharmacology or Pharmacy that uh, handles the medical marijuana program in Ohio has approved additional licenses. Board member Dr. Son said in February, it's not like someone has a migraine once a year and it resolves it and would be a candidate. I don't think that's the intention here. They have to have more migraines. And so the board has received 30 positions, 30 petitions to add new conditions. And the board's medical marijuana committee met this week uh, to advance three additional conditions and perhaps to full approval at future meetings. And those were Huntington's disease, spasticity or persistent muscle spasms and terminal illness, which raises the question. Terminal illness is not covered by medical marijuana in Ohio. Wow. And so uh, that's that's great. Uh, they, they also, unfortunately, did reject a few petitions for panic disorder with agoraphobia, rest, restless leg syndrome and autism spectrum disorder. That is a shame. Autism spectrum disorder should have been on that. But they are making progress in Ohio. And with that, I think we've wrapped it up for the week, haven't we, Lauren? I think so. Yeah, I think that covers all the news this week. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Make sure you like and subscribe to Keep Up With All Cannabis Legalization News. Miggy's going to be out next week, so we're going to have David come in from our Boston office. That's going to be fun. So make sure you like and subscribe. We will see you on Sunday.